From Kindred Church, your inclusive church family. This podcast is a collection of sermons from our weekly worship services in Durham, North Carolina. Whatever your background is, wherever you are on your faith journey, we hope this message helps you take your next steps in response to God's unconditional love. Well, hello and welcome to Kindred. It's so good to be with you. If we've not met before, my name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. And if this is your first time to tune in with us, we're especially glad that you've joined us today. Uh, Our scripture reading is from the book of Isaiah. We're looking at chapter 58, verses 9 and 10. And it says this, Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and God will say, I'm here. If you remove the yoke from among you, the finger pointing, the wicked speech... If you open your heart to the hungry and provide abundantly for those who are afflicted, your light will shine in the darkness and your gloom will be like the noon. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, we are now in week two of our sermon series called Arise and Shine. It's part of our annual generosity campaign. And if you missed last week, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to last week's sermon. I can't recap everything that we covered last week here. We just don't have the, the time. Uh, but one of the things we said was that this whole generosity campaign is a celebration. It's a celebration of God. It's a celebration of our mission as a church. And it's a celebration of the opportunities that we have to be a part of the work that God is doing through our church. Uh, if you're somebody who considers Kindred to be your church home, as I do, uh, this is a season when we can be intentional about reflecting on how God is calling us to support the church financially in the upcoming year so that we can fully fund the the vision that God has for us. Um, But certainly if you are a a visitor, if if you're new to us at Kindred, we're not expecting any kind of financial commitment from you. Uh, That said, we're really glad that you're here because my hope is that this sermon series is going to help you to better understand our vision as a church and and our values as well. And we're hoping that you're going to want to be involved uh, with us. Now for today, um, I want to get us thinking in a, a really practical way about what generosity means for us right now in our unique situation. You know, we're each in a unique place uh, financially. Every single one of us is in a unique place spiritually in our relationship to the, the church and other ways as well. But wherever we're at, whatever our unique situation might be, what does generosity look like for us right now? And as we begin to think about that, uh, I want to talk about something that I know tends to happen anytime the church starts talking about money, anytime the church starts talking about generosity. And this is something that maybe you've experienced in your past. This is something that maybe some of you are even feeling right now in this moment, that when the church starts talking about generosity, pretty quickly, a whole lot of us can start to feel excluded, right? A whole lot of us can start to feel excluded. And here's a big reason why, because I think at at any given time, there are a whole lot of us who are in a place financially where we're feeling like we don't have enough, like we don't have enough. You know, uh, research tells us that money and, and finances are the number one source of stress for the vast majority of Americans. And when we're stressed out about money, it's usually not because we're worried about having too much, right? We don't toss and turn at night worrying like, how am I gonna spend all this extra money? No, when we stress about money, we're stressed because we feel like we don't have enough. And so when we're already in that place of of feeling like we don't have enough and we come to church and then the conversation turns to money and and generosity and and giving, uh, it can leave us in this place where we're like, hey, look, church, Uh, hey, look, preacher, I don't have enough 
to be generous, okay? We, we can feel like I don't have enough to, to give as much as other people can, can give. I, sometimes we get the impression like I don't have enough to give as much as the church expects of me or as much as God expects of me. And when we're feeling that way, uh, that can lead to all kinds of feelings of, of guilt and judgment and, and anxiety and, and, and resentment, things like that. And so if, if any of that has applied to you in the past, if any of that is how you're feeling uh, right now, uh, there, there's a couple things I want you to know. First of all, I'm so sorry for that. I'm so sorry. But, but I want you to know that the kind of generosity that we're talking about here at Kindred, the kind of generosity that God wants for us, is a kind of generosity that is never exclusive like that. It is never hurtful like that. But the kind of generosity that God wants for each and every one of us is a kind of generosity that includes each and every one of us. No matter how much we have, no matter how much we don't have, it includes us even when we're in that place where we're feeling like we don't have enough. That's how inclusive this kind of generosity really is. I think one of the places that we see this so clearly is here in this passage in Isaiah 58 that we read a moment ago. So I want to explore this with you for a few minutes and and I'll show you what I mean. Uh, Here's the context to kind of set the stage for the the passage. This is review for you if you were with us last week. Um, But the book of Isaiah is in the Old Testament part of the Bible. This is about 500 years before Jesus. And the the main characters here are the Judeans, the people of the kingdom of Judah. And when we meet them here in Isaiah 58, they're in a bad situation. And here's why. Not long before this, the kingdom of Judah, their, their homeland, was invaded and taken over by the great Babylonian empire. The Babylonians came in, took everything over in, in Judah. They ended up completely destroying the, the capital city of Jerusalem, including the temple in Jerusalem, which was like the, the very house of God. And not only that, but after the Babylonians destroyed everything, they carted off a whole bunch of the Judeans into exile. They took them back to Babylon, where they made the Judeans serve as servants and slaves. Just a a devastating situation. And what all of this meant is that when we meet the Judeans here in, in Isaiah 58, they're in this place where they're feeling like they don't have enough, right? They, they don't have enough political power. I mean, they they don't even have their own freedom. Uh, They don't have enough resources. They're certainly feeling like they don't have enough money, especially when they compare themselves to the the Babylonians that they're serving, the Babylonians that live all around them, living these extravagant lifestyles. They're, They're feeling like they don't have enough. Well, as that's going on, Uh, God calls the the prophet Isaiah. You know, in the Bible, prophets are uh, preachers, essentially, who who bring a message from God to the the people. So God sends the the prophet Isaiah to deliver a message from God to the Judeans. And that's what's going on in the passage that we read uh, today. Here's what God says to the Judeans. Notice at the beginning of this passage here, God uh, leads with a word of comfort. And this is so characteristic of God, right? That when we're in a place of struggle, when we're in a place of suffering, when we're in that place where we feel like we don't have enough, God meets us there with comfort and with compassion. In 58 verse 9, uh, God says, Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and God will say, I'm here. I'm here. God is showing us here that when we're feeling like we don't have enough, God is not in a posture of judgment. God doesn't feel exclusive towards us in those moments. God comes to be with us. God says, hey, I'm with you. 
hey, I'm, I'm right here. God says to us, keep, keep calling on me. Keep leaning on me. Keep trusting on me because I am here with you. And maybe that's a reminder that, that some of us needed to hear today. I am with you. God leads with a word of comfort. But notice what God says next. Notice what God says next, because he doesn't stop with that word uh, of comfort. And this is characteristic of God as well. God leads with comfort, but God also pushes us at times, right? Sometimes more than we want to be pushed, but but that's what's happening here. God goes on in, in verse 10. God says, if you open your heart to the hungry and you provide abundantly for those who are afflicted, your light will shine in the darkness and your gloom will become as the noon. Your gloom will become as the noon. In other words, God is is saying, look, I know that it feels like you don't have enough right now, but God is saying, hey, just be generous with what you have. Just be generous with what you have. Uh, Open your heart, provide abundantly. That's how even in your place of need, even in your place of struggle, you can continue to be the light of the world. You can continue to shine the light of God into the world around you. You know, it's interesting. We might expect God to say to the Judeans here, like, uh, hey, I know you're in a place you feel like you don't have enough, so just put generosity on the back burner, right? Uh, Get it together, wait till you have enough again, and then you can resume the practice of, of, of generosity. But no, that's not what God says, right? God says, hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm, I'm with you. So, so just trust me and just keep being generous with what you have. Even if you feel like it's not a lot. Uh, and don't worry about what you don't have. You can't be generous with what you don't have, right? So don't worry about that. Don't be worried and, and consumed with, with what other people are doing and how they're practicing generosity. That's not your concern. Just be generous with what you have. You know, it's interesting uh, that this very same message is one that Jesus will pick up in the New Testament, and Jesus emphasizes this so strongly, and Jesus actually gives us a really wonderful illustration of how this works. Some of you know this story. There was one day when Jesus was out, and he was uh, teaching and preaching and, and healing. He's out in this remote place. And for whatever reason, Jesus drew a huge crowd on that particular day. We're told that over 5,000 people came out to see Jesus. And Jesus, uh, he's a a preacher, right? And and just like many of us preachers, Jesus apparently could be long-winded at times. That was true on this day for sure. So it starts getting late in the day as Jesus is just teaching and teaching and talking and talking. uh, And it gets to be about dinner time. And around dinner time, the disciples, they're there and they start to get worried because they realize like, man, that this crowd of people is starting to get hungry. You know, pretty soon they're going to start to get hangry. And then we're going to have this crowd of over 5,000 people that, that are hangry on our hands. And that's probably not going to end well for us. So, so they go to Jesus and they're like, hey, Jesus, sorry to interrupt, you know, but like, can, can you wrap this up? You know, like we, we need to send these people home. These people, they need to eat. But Jesus seems unconcerned and he looks at the disciples and he says, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Now, at that point, the the disciples are in that same place as the ancient Judeans. They're in the same place that that many of us have been. They're, They're in that place where they feel like they don't have enough, right? They say to Jesus, hey, we have nothing here except five loaves and two fish. Like, that's it, Jesus. That's not enough. And frankly, this was supposed to be our dinner. This food is already spoken for, Jesus. But, but what does Jesus say? Does Jesus say, oh, I didn't realize that's all you had. I didn't realize that you didn't have enough. Don't worry about it. We'll be generous another time. No, that's not what Jesus says. He says, hey, just, just bring it here to me. Just bring it here to me. And so the disciples bring it. And what happens? 
Jesus says, just be generous with what you have. The disciples obey that. And, and what happens? Well, you know the story. Jesus ends up miraculously multiplying the bread and, and the fish. And all 5,000 plus people end up getting fed. In fact, they end up getting stuffed, we're told. There's leftovers after this is, is over. Even the disciples who, who gave generously of their food, they, they got to eat plenty, which is important to, to note. Uh, and now this is one of the most famous stories in the entire Bible, right? It's interesting. This is one of the very few stories that makes it into all four of the Gospels, all four of the accounts of the life of Jesus that show up in our Bibles, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of them decided that this was a story that they needed to include as they were helping people to understand who Jesus is. And all of this started with a group of people, the disciples, who are a lot like us, feeling like they, they didn't have enough, but they trusted Jesus and they were just generous with what they had. At the end of the day, that's all that God calls any of us to do, right? That's all God asks of, of any of us, whether we have a little whether we have a lot, whether we feel like we have enough or, or don't have enough, none of us need to feel excluded. None of us need to feel any sense of guilt or judgment or, or shame when we start talking about generosity because all that God calls any of us to do is to just be generous with what we have. Just be generous with what we have. So with that in mind, uh, with that in mind, let's kind of switch gears a, a little bit and let's try to make this practical. Let, let's try to apply this to our lives and our situations that we're in right now. And, and let's think about how do we figure out what it looks like to just be generous with what we have? Uh, and for those of us who consider Kindred to be our church home, we can think about how do we apply this to, to make a plan for how we can support the church financially. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the sermon, if you're just visiting with us, if you're new to us at, at Kindred Church, we certainly don't expect any kind of financial commitment from you. Uh, we're just glad that you're here. But for those of you who do consider Kindred to be your church home, um, it's, it's important to be thinking about how you can support the church financially right now because as we told you last week, um, in two weeks from today, it will be our Commitment Sunday. That's October the, the 30th. And there's going to be a special time Time in worship when all of us who consider Kindred to be our church home will have the chance to, to confidentially let the church know how much we and, and our households can contribute uh, to the church in the upcoming year. And that's super important for our church as we're thinking about uh, budgeting, as we're making plans for our ministries uh, in the year ahead. So it's a good time for us to, to be thinking about how can we be generous with what we have? Uh, and specifically, for those of us who call Kindred Church our church home, uh, how can we support the church financially in the upcoming year? year. Now that's a big question. And obviously there is no one size fits all answer to that question. Uh, I don't even think there's a one size fits all formula to, to that question because we're all in different places. We're all in our, in our own spot. Um, and so instead of trying to answer that for us, uh, what I want to do is I, I just want to offer us a framework. Uh, I offer, I want to offer us an approach for how we can be thinking about what it means to be generous with, with what we have and, and how to support the, the church. And I share this framework with you today uh, simply because it's been really helpful to me. This is the framework that my wife and I use as we're figuring out how much we can give to the church uh, every, every year. As we talk through it, I think you'll see that this framework is biblical. I mean, it's all consistent with the teaching of, of Jesus. And what I love most about it is that this framework is super flexible. 
and it's super inclusive to, to accommodate a wide variety of, of financial situations. Um, and so uh, I'm gonna go through this pretty quickly, but I've actually um, organized this into a, a document that is yours to keep. It's uh, linked in the description here. So if you just click on the, the link that says the four P's of giving, uh, that'll take you to that document that you can refer to later as you continue to, to think about these things, as I hope you will. And certainly if you have questions or, or concerns about any of this, uh, as always, reach out to me and I'm, I'm happy to, to chat. But this framework that I wanna share with you today is called the four P's of giving, the four P's of giving. And it's called the four P's because it's a four step process and each step in the process begins with the letter P. So the four steps are prayer, priority, percentage, and progressive. Prayer, priority, percentage, progressive. Let, let's talk to these uh, briefly and I'll tell you what I mean. Uh, so step number one, is prayer, prayer. As we begin to think about how God is calling us to be generous and what that looks like in our life right now, it's important that we enter into that in a spirit of prayer, right? It's important that we invite God into that process. And that could be a big step for us in our faith journey, right? If, if you've never actually invited God into your finances, if you've never invited God to help you figure out how your faith comes to bear on your financial resources, that's a, a big, exciting step for you in your spiritual journey. Uh, so it, it can be great for us to, to take a moment as we're thinking about these things uh, to simply pray. And, and those of you, if, if you're married, if you share finances with, with another person, pray together uh, and, and say, God, uh, thank you for the resources that I have, uh, whether that's a lot, whether that's uh, a little, because God, everything I have comes from you. You know, as Christians, we believe God created everything. Ultimately, we don't own anything. God is the owner of the entire universe. God just lets us use stuff, right? So we say, God, thank you for what I have. And then we can say to God, God, help me to figure out what does it mean to be generous with what I have right now? What does it mean to be generous? Uh, it's important to, to have that prayerful posture as we're thinking about generosity. So step one is prayer. Uh, step number two, step number two is priority, priority. Uh, you know, if we're going to be generous, it's important that we make that a, a, a priority in our finances. Uh, why is that? Well, because it's, it's really hard for us to, to be generous if we're only giving out of our leftovers, right? Like if you think about the story of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus didn't say to the disciples like, hey guys, um, go ahead and eat all the bread and the fish that you want. And then if there are any crumbs left over, bring those to me and we'll try to feed this crowd of 5,000 plus people. No, that's not what Jesus said. Why? Because that wouldn't really truly be generosity. If we want to be truly generous, we need to make that a priority in the way that we spend our money, in the way that we allocate our money. And so on a practical level, what this means is that we need to actually proactively set aside a certain amount of money for the purpose of generosity. We need to actually allocate a certain amount of our money for the purpose of generosity. That's what it means to, to make generosity a priority. So that's the second P, priority. The third P and the third step in this process is percentage, percentage. Now, this is a step that I imagine is, is gonna feel a bit challenging to, to some of you. You may wanna push back on me uh, on, on this one, um, but I hope you'll hear me out because I actually think this is the step in the process that that's what makes this whole framework so flexible and it's what makes this whole framework so inclusive of people in a wide variety of, of financial situations. Uh, you know, oftentimes when we give to the church, what we do is we pick an amount to give, right? Like we think to ourselves, what feels like the right amount 
to give. And that's not, that's not like a bad approach, um, not at all. But the, the challenge here is instead of thinking of an amount to give, first pick a percentage and give that. Pick a percentage of our income and then give that to the church. Now, why should we pick a percentage instead of an amount? Well, uh, what scripture tells us and what we kind of know if, if we really stop and think about it is that generosity is always proportional to what we have, right? Generosity is always proportional to what we have. Think about it. Let's say that somebody makes a donation of $1 to a charity, any charity. You can pick your own. Somebody gives a dollar to a charity. How generous is that donation? How generous is it? Well, it depends, right? I mean, let's say that there's a guy named Bob and all Bob has in this world is $5. That's all he's got. And Bob gives a $1 donation to a charity. I think most of us would say, wow, that is an act of radical generosity, right? Like Bob just gave away 20% of everything that he had. That's amazing. On the other hand, if Elon Musk, the richest man in the world, if he gave a $1 donation to charity, how generous is that? Well, it might be generous in the sense that it's it's more than nothing, you know, like that's good. I guess we could we could celebrate that, but that's not nearly as radically generous as Bob who gave 20% of everything he had, right? Uh, so, so generosity is always proportional to what we have. Jesus teaches us this very same thing. There was this moment when Jesus was outside of the temple and he was uh, watching as, as people were giving their donations to the temple. And there was all these rich people coming forward and, and they were giving these huge donations, these, these large amounts of, of money. And a lot of the people who were around were like very impressed and they're like praising these rich people for their extravagant generosity. Uh, but Jesus is unmoved. He's unimpressed. And then as Jesus is standing there, this poor old widow comes forward and she just donates one small coin, one small coin. And what does Jesus do? Jesus praises her generosity. He praises her publicly. Why? Because in proportion to what she had, she actually was way more generous than any of those rich people with all the large amounts of money that they were giving. Why? Because generosity is proportional to what we have. And so that's why scripture teaches us to think about our giving, not in terms of fixed amounts that we just come up with, but in terms of percentages, in terms of, of percentages of what we have. So to make this even more practical, uh, when it comes to figuring out how much we should give to the church specifically, uh, how do we go about picking a percent? How do we know what percent is, is the right one? Uh, well, don't fall out of your chair when I say this. And if you're driving, don't like swerve into another lane or something. Uh, some of you already know this, but traditionally in the church, uh, Christians have often made it a goal to give 10% of their income to the church, 10%. That's a tradition that has roots way back in the Old Testament. There's actually a lot of New Testament evidence, believe it or not, that Christians gave uh, far more than, than 10% uh, of their, their income. Um, several years ago, my, my wife and I started giving 10% to the, the church, and um, that's been a really rewarding experience for us. Um, but I want you to hear that we didn't start there. And I think most people who do percentage giving don't start at 10% because for most people, that, that's probably a little overwhelming, uh, maybe a lot overwhelming. So if you're new to percentage giving, uh, I would encourage you to pick a percentage that feels sustainable to you in this financial season. That could be 2%, that could be 3%, that could be 4%. Uh, just start there and, and see how it goes. Make that a habit. Work that into your finances. And it may be challenging at first. You're going to feel it for sure. But I think you'll find, as, as I've found, that 
It is really rewarding when you allocate a consistent percentage of your income for the purpose of generosity. So that's step three, that's percentage, the, the third P. Uh, the fourth and final P, the fourth and final step in this process is progressive, progressive. This is not about politically progressive or socially progressive. Uh, this is simply about making a commitment to become progressively more generous over time. Why does that matter? Well, as Christians, uh, we are trying to be more like Jesus, right? Like that's essentially what a Christian is. That's a person who's trying to become more like Jesus. And what we know is that Jesus is radically generous. I mean, Jesus himself is the embodiment, the ultimate expression of God's generosity to us. And so if we want to become more like Jesus, that, that entails becoming more generous over time. That's a part of our faith journey. Um, and so what that means for us is that we need to, on a regular basis, kind of check in and ask ourselves, is now the right time to take a new step in my generosity? This is one of the nice things about having a generosity campaign each year in the life of our church. We've kind of built into the rhythm of our church life this opportunity for us to ask ourselves that question. Is now the right time for me to take a new step in my generosity? And uh, sometimes the answer is going to be no, right? Depending on what we've got going on, it may not be the right time. And that's fine. Uh, but sometimes the answer is, is going to be yes. And so that allows us to, to work our way to become progressively more generous. So that's the fourth step in this process. Uh, again, to, to recap the four P's, prayer, priority, percentage, progressive. You can find all of this with a description in a document that I've linked in the description, as I've told you. If you feel like this framework doesn't apply to you, it doesn't work for you for whatever reason, uh, that's great. If you want to use a, a different approach, that's that's fine. But if you do consider Kindred to be your church home, I would encourage you to, to use some approach, use some framework to, to be intentional and, and make a plan for how you can help to support uh, Kindred Church as you're able in the upcoming year. Uh, that way, together, as a church family, we can make sure that we fully fund our vision and, and we fully fund our ministries for the upcoming year. Uh, again, I don't know how much you have. I don't know how much you don't have. But what Isaiah reminds us in this passage, what Jesus reminds us as well, is that if we can just focus on being generous with what we do have, if we can trust God with the rest, then God is going to do some amazing things through us and we can keep shining the light of God into the world. We can keep shining the light of God into the world. Let me pray for us. Oh, generous God, we thank you for all that you have given us. We know that everything we have, whether it's a lot or a little, everything we have is yours. It comes from you. It's a gift to us, God. Thank you for inviting us into the, the generosity that you show us, that you show to, to others. Um, God, thank you for giving us the, the resources to, to participate in the work of the church that we know that you're leading, God. Uh, for anybody who's listening to this today who feels a sense of judgment or shame or guilt about uh, generosity, God, help, help them to understand that, they, that there's none of that here. That's not what any of this is about, God. Uh, but remind all of us that we're just simply called to be generous with what we have, Lord. For those of us who uh, consider ourselves a part of the Kindred Church family, would you uh, be guiding us in these days ahead as we're thinking intentionally about how we can support Kindred and, and the work that you're doing here. Lord, we, we thank you for that opportunity. We thank you for one another. Uh, we thank you that even though we're all at, at different places on this journey, we, we get to journey together and, and we're so grateful for that. So we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Well, friends, uh, just a few things quickly here for us before we go. First, if you're new to Kindred, I would love to connect with you. Uh, probably the best way to do that is if you'll click the connect link in the description and just fill out the, the short form there. Uh, I'll reach out to you later this week. Um, also, if you're local, we would love to see you in in-person worship uh, anytime, uh, but we would especially love to see you on Sunday, October the, the 30th. As I mentioned in the sermon, that's going to be our commitment Sunday. Uh, and even if you're new to Kindred, um, e even if th this is not yet your church family, I would still love for you to come and, and be a part of that celebration uh, with us. It should be a powerful and, and uplifting service as our church family comes together and, and confidentially submits our, our financial commitments to the church for the upcoming year. Uh, that'll empower us to, to keep moving forward with our mission in 2023. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, also, be sure to click the announcements link in the description here, and that'll take you to this week's newsletter, which will keep you up to date on all the different things that we've got going on, all the ways we've got for you to stay engaged and, and keep growing in your faith with us here at King. Uh, well, with that, friends, remember that we love you and we hope you have a great week and may the peace of Christ be with you. Thanks for tuning in. If this message was meaningful to you, consider sharing it with a friend who might also find it meaningful. To support this ministry, to get involved with Kindred Church, or to learn more about us, check out our website, kindrednc.church. We hope you have a great week.